Good morning, church. I hope each and every one of you are doing well today. I just have a little personal note that I want to share with you. You know that we record these just for the benefit that you can view them on this Sabbath. But this afternoon, I was thinking, you know what? Sometimes I have to reach out to my prayer warriors that lift my spirits and give me joy. So I took a couple pictures here, and I sent it back to my little granddaughter who's six years old, Carly. The message read, will you please have Carly girl pray for Grandpa? He's going to be videotaping the sermon for Sabbath. This is what I got in reply. Can you beat that? How often do we say to people, I'll be praying for you. But truth to be known, we walk away and sometimes we even forget. For me to acknowledge my little granddaughter who lives in Michigan to pray for me. I felt that this was pretty precious that she responded pretty quickly to pray for grandpa. I know that uh, God is with us and I thank the Lord for that. Over the last 15 years here in this church, I've had the privilege to be able to do Bible studies with children as well with adults. And in those studies, I have discovered something I thought was pretty special. You know, my career at Hanford was 30 years out in photography, so I love photography. I love making memories. And I love photo albums. If you were to go to my house you would find one huge chest full of photo albums that we have captured pretty much from the day that Becky and I got married. Photo albums that carry memories of our children, vacations, family, friends. You look in the Bible, and this is one huge photo album within itself. A photo album that gives you pictures of God's character, his love, his attributes, his grace, his forgiveness. He provides stories here in order for us to learn from maybe mistakes from some of the other children within the scriptures. But in the photo album, we look as well as the Bible, and we can almost break it down into different categories, special photo albums of certain events or even possibly a photo album that covers just one individual. Well, today, we're going to look in the photo album. And the photo album is going to focus on a snapshot that takes us over to Pharaoh's dream. And in Pharaoh's dream, we are going to see how God works in a mighty way. Let's pray. 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we can come to your children no matter where we are at. All different locations, but yet we're tuned in together around you and your presence is felt among each one of us. I pray, Father, that as I speak that you use me. May I be a vessel. May you speak through me to give the message that you have. We've worked on this together, and I relinquish it to you today. And I just thank you, Father, for the blessings, for the opportunity, for this church, for this family, for the time that we can still feel somewhat connected, even though we're not together. But this, too, will pass. And we look forward for that day when we can be here in person. Thank you, Father, for all that you provide. In your loving name I pray. Amen. Becky and I have been enjoying the time together with her retirement and being at home. And even the time with the pandemic, we've made wonderful friends with our neighbors. We've had opportunities to connect with people. We're doing another book study in our home. It's entitled, You'll Get Through This. Hope and help for your turbulent times. Don't you think that's appropriate for today? We are going through some turbulent times. This was written by Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors. And in it, I want to share with you a picture that he shares of a young couple. A young couple by the name of Brian and Kristen Taylor. It says in the story that the last year, their seven-year-old daughter has been in the hospital for six months and having six surgeries. Brian's job has been discontinued. Several of the family members have died, and another one is diagnosed with brain cancer. And Kristen was pregnant with child number four. Life was tough. Life was tough for them. I want to share with you what she shared in her blog. Multiple hospital stays with my daughter were exhausting, but I held faith. Losing Brian's family members one by one until there was only one left who was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer was incomprehensible. But I still held faith. Being hospitalized seven and a half weeks with placental abruption was terrifying, but I held faith. I held to the faith that God works for my good. And though I did not necessarily understand the trials, I trusted God, bigger, unseen plan. God and I had a deal, she says. I would endure the trials that came my way as long as he acknowledged my stopping point. He knew where my line was drawn, and I knew in my heart that he would never cross it. He did. I delivered a stillborn baby girl with my daughter Rebecca still at home on a feeding tube and her future health completely unknown, it was a foregone conclusion that this baby we so wanted and loved would be saved. She wasn't. My line in the sand was crossed. 
my one-way deal with God was shattered. Everything changed in that moment. Fear set in, and my faith began to crumble. My safety zone with God was no longer safe. If this could happen in the midst of our greatest struggles, then anything was fair game. For the first time in my life, anxiety began to overwhelm me. Can you relate? Have you gone through some situations similar to this? Where you have raised questions about whether or not God is even there? When the cancer is in remission, we say, God is good. When the report comes back the way that we want it, we say, God is good. When we get a pay raise, ah, God is good. And when our team wins, God is good. But is God only good when the outcome is? That's the question that we need to consider. Is God only good when the outcome is? As you can see behind me this morning, we're going to look at an individual that's going to help us with this answer. And of course, this individual has to do with Joseph. We're not going to go through this in great detail, but I'm sure that each one of you have heard the story. If you haven't, notify me. I'll journey with you, and we can do it together. But Joseph was 17 years old. He had older brothers, half-brothers, who did not like him at all. In fact, they hated him. Joseph had some dreams. And in those dreams, he told his brothers about the grains in the field and how they bowed down to the center one. And of course, that reference that they were bowing down to him, and they hated that. He even told mom and dad about the dream of the stars and the moon and the sky bowing down, and they did not like that at all. But yet, God gave this dream to Joseph for a reason. For a purpose. And I can't help but feel, we don't know a lot about Joseph's um, upbringing as a child, but with his mother, Rebecca, I, I can't help but feel that somehow the message that we find in Jeremiah 29, 11 was somehow given to Joseph when he had this dream and he had a relationship even with God at that time, and we're all familiar with it, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to do harm to you, plans to give you hope and a future. Joseph knew in his heart that the Lord had plans for him. He knew it. You couldn't argue that fact. He knew it. And so his journey started. He goes out to see his brothers. Unfortunately, they did not accept him. They took him over, took off his coat of many colors, and they threw him in the pit. They wanted to kill him. But why let him die when all of a sudden they can make some money off of him? 
So they sold them to some traders that were going by on their way to Egypt. And then Joseph then gets into Egypt, into Potiphar's house. We read the scriptures that even there with Potiphar, it says that the Lord was with Joseph multiple times. In fact, it says that Potiphar saw the Lord working with Joseph. So much so that Joseph, as a slave, was prospering and being in charge of Potiphar's house. He had received promotions And he was almost in charge of the whole household. He did the hiring and the firing. You know the story. False accusations from Potiphar's wife. Joseph was thrown into prison. Even in prison, the scripture tells us, it says that the Lord was with Joseph. And the warden even saw that. In fact, Joseph had the ability to organize and lead that he made him the one that would cover and take over the, 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 the whole prison and keep everything going. So he was in charge of the prison. But still, God was with him. And then we get down here to chapter 41 about Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh's dream. If we were to look at Genesis 41, it says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream. He he dreamed of these fatted cows along the river, and they were half fat and plump. And then along came some skinny, scrawny little raunchy cows that came along and they came up to the river and and before you know it the skinny the the bad looking cows came over and they ate the fat cows they ate the fat cows verse 4 it says and then Pharaoh woke up I think I definitely would wake up too But he fell asleep again. And then he had another dream about seven heads of grain that were healthy and plump and fat. And they were over here. And all of a sudden along comes some other grains that were just like little scraggly things. That they came along and they in turn came over and they ate the fat ones. I love how it says in verse 8, in the morning his mind was troubled. my mind would be troubled. He sent for the musicians. He sent for the wise men of Egypt. What does all of this mean? Of course, too, we know the story when he was in prison about the the chief cupbearer. Well, he was there going, I remember when I was in prison, there was a Hebrew man there that he interpreted dreams for me. And his name was Joseph. And so they said, okay, let's, let's see if we can find Joseph. So they went out looking for him. And they quickly brought him out from the dungeon. I have no idea what he looked like, but they say they shaved him and they gave him some clean clothes. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. And no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said that you, when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. See, see, Pharaoh's in a dilemma. So much so that he's talking to a prisoner 
from the prison about a dream that he has. See the difference? But this is when we start to see the real essence of, of Joseph's character, of what he understood about God, starting from the point when he had the dreams when he was 17 years old. Verse 16, it says, I cannot do it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. God will do it, Pharaoh. So Pharaoh then recaps the dream that we talked about, the fat cows, and then about the wheat. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. He shares with them about the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. Verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Joseph never took credit of anything. He never said, here, let me tell you. No, this is what God is telling you. I am just the vessel that he is using. I love when 33 comes. You got to remember, this is Pharaoh. And Joseph is just a prisoner, a slave that came to Egypt. Listen to the, the verbiage and the power that Joseph gives. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that they coming up and store it in the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reservoir, reservoirs for the county using for seven years for the famine that will come upon Egypt. This is a prisoner telling Pharaoh what to do. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man in whom the Spirit of God? When you're confident with the relationship that you have with God, you can be bold. You can be bold when you speak what the Lord wants you to speak. And boy, he was bold speaking to Pharaoh. 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, Joseph, there is no one more discerning than you and wise. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Can you believe that? Just a moment ago that morning, Joseph was in prison. And he is now promoted to the man who is just under Pharaoh. 
God was with Joseph. Years have passed. We know the story. The seven years of plenty come and the wheat grows and they go out and get the wheat and they fill them into the barns. But of course, too, the remainder is the seven years of famine. But in the process, Joseph gets a chance to meet these brothers that come to him for some grain. Through those seven years and them going back to their father and coming back to Joseph once again, they were very humble. They came in very sheepishly as they addressed Joseph. Joseph knew who they were, but they didn't know who he was. And I love it to where how it says in Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, and that is saving of many lives. He's reflecting all the way back here to the dream and to the pit. You meant it to harm me. The King James says, you brought evil upon me. But God, when you're on God's team, he can change all of that. And they get down here and it says that you intended to harm me. We sometimes see the things that happen around us today and we ask questions, Lord, why? Why is this hurting me? Why is this happening to me? I don't like what's taking place. It's painful. There's suffering. It's almost like, Lord, you are doing it to me. We've we got to see the picture from God's perspective. God doesn't harm any of us. But God who is so sovereign, God who is so wise, so loving and caring and knows all, will allow things to happen to us, his children, in order for us to understand a lesson that he has in it. How many of you as parents have taught your children when they're little not to touch their hand on the burner of the stove? And like little kids, they love and they're inquisitive to raise their hand. And one point as a parent, you're going to have to say, I got to let them do it. And that child reaches his hand up there, and oh, <laughs> the scream, the scream, the scream. But that child will never do it again. See, as parents, we have to allow things in order for us as children to learn a lesson. God's the same way. He allows things to happen. I look at my own history of my MS. God did not do that to me. He allowed it to happen in my life. And now as I stand here, I thank the Lord for it because it's one of the greatest gifts that he has given to me because of the experiences that I have had through it. I love German chocolate cake. Of course, that doesn't surprise you. 
my name being Bronkhurst. I had a grandfather who was shorter than I, and I, I love that. I felt pretty tall. But of course, too, he was a little man from Germany, and he would say, Fritz Bronkhorst, and he'd spit all over me. Thank goodness he's not alive today. He'd be spitting everywhere. But I don't know if it's in the genes of me being German, but boy, when my wife makes a German chocolate cake, I am one happy camper. Mm. Hope you don't mind. It's delicious. So moist. Mmm. This is good. This is good. Wait a minute. Could this have some kind of tie into Genesis 50, 20? If, if this is good, well, let's look at it this way. Here's the box that my wife used to make the cake. If I were to pour out the contents into a cup, and drink the contents, would it be good? <laughs> I don't think so. It wouldn't be good. She put two eggs in. If I take the eggs and eat the eggs, <laughs> would it be good? I don't think so. I don't think so. She even puts oil in it. I could take this and drink the oil. And when I'm done, would I say, oh, that is good? I don't think so. But see, the thing is, all of the contents that are right here had to come together. God wove the pain that was experienced by Joseph as he journeyed on his trip. He had pain at the beginning. He had pain here at Potiphar's wife. He had pain in prison. He had pain, well, everywhere he went. Because you know the series here is called Us Against Them. If you were to look down here to Joseph, it would be entitled Him Against Them. There really wasn't an us. He was all alone. Or was he? Or was he? When you peel everything away, there wasn't us. Because God was with him. Joseph and God made an us. And so everywhere Joseph went, he was not alone. He had confidence that when he was given the dreams that God had a plan for him. That's what carried him. That's what carried him through the tragedies and the hardships. In Hebrews 12, verse 11, it reads, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those 
who are trained in this way. We have to discipline ourselves to make the right decisions to realize there will be hardships in life as long as we hold our course, as long as we hold the hand of the one who is directing us and guiding us. He is the one that's taken us on this journey. And for Joseph, every time he came to a place, he prospered. And the scripture says that God was with him. God was with them. And we find that text in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I think the New Testament has a text that reflects the same essence of what is being spoken here. And Paul penned this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? We know that all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him. There's a personal note that I want to share with you about that text. After I came down with MS and had gone to Seattle and came back and was put in the hospital, not being able to do much from the neck down, but they did with treatments, rehab, I sat in my house one evening. In fact, it was the Friday evening in my wooden rocking chair. And I was reading the scriptures. And I happened to come across that text in Romans 8. All things are work for good. You love the Lord. And I asked myself, really? All things? What I am going through right now, God is in this. He is working things to help me. I, I was jazzed. I was there. I was rocking in my rocking chair. I got out of the rocking chair and went over and called my friend Lynn Harms and said, Lynn, I got to share with you a text that I discovered. And I gave it to him. He's probably heard it a hundred times. But for me at that moment, I saw it for the very first time. And we know that in all things, God works for good to those who love him. We have been called according to his purpose. See, we have a purpose in life. And it's important for us to understand what that purpose is. Remember the young mother that I shared with you earlier? I want to continue to share with you. how she closed her blog. I have spent weeks trying to figure out why a God I love so could let this happen to my family at such a time. The only conclusion I came to was this. I have to give up my line in the sand. 
I have to offer my entire life, every minute portion of it, or minute portion of it, to God's control regardless, regardless of the outcome. My family is in God's hands. No lines have been drawn. No deals have been made. I have given our lives to the Lord. Peace has entered where panic once resided, and calmness settled where anxiety once ruled. Mm. At some point, we all stand at this intersection. Some, some point, we experience it. It may be different, but we experience it. Is God good when the outcome is not? During the famine as well as the feast, we have to be honest with ourselves. The definite answer comes in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. We have no options. We don't have A, B, C, or D. The only answer that we have when dilemma, chaos, pandemics, crisis, financial problems, what is the answer? Jesus Christ. He is the one that we look to for the very first thing that we ever do. We have a problem, go to Christ. Get up in the morning, go to Christ. Have any questions, go to Christ. Have any decisions that we have to make, financial, house, car, whatever it may be, go to Christ. He is the one that we go to. He is the only picture of God that has ever taken. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. Do you want to know heaven's clearest answer to the question of suffering? If people are suffering, the best thing that you could do for them is to let's sit down and pray and look at Christ. For he truly is the answer that each one of us need in the time of crisis. Why? Because the enemy is trying so hard to distract us from not going to him. The enemy does not want us to even talk or look at him. So, in closing, I want to leave you with these words of encouragement. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. Don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you'll get through this. With God's help, you'll get through this. And there's no greater time in earth's history than right now 
for us to hear, you'll get through this because God is there. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your promises. We thank you so much for your presence in our life. May we never forget that you are with us. May we hold on to your hand. May we continue to allow you to lead and direct us. May we come to the point and surrender to you the problems that we have and realize that we don't have to do it ourselves. We seem to carry it on our shoulders, think it's, it's up to us to solve it, when in reality, he says, give it to me. And when we give it to you, just like Christina shared in her blog, she experienced peace, and joy, and comfort. May each one of us, as we go through these trying times, realize that you are the one to turn to. You have the answers. Draw close to each one of us today. And may we continue to experience you in a mighty way as we grow closer to you. I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.